You know, I found it's easy to be discontent in this life. Oftentimes we find ourselves just kind of disappointed in life, discontent, and we think, uh, if I get this one more thing, then, then I'll, really be, I'll really be happy. Or we think, if I get to this next stage in life, I'll, I'll really be happy. Or if I get in this relationship, then, I, then I'll be happy. Everything will be said. And oftentimes we find ourselves acquiring the possession, the position, or the stage in life, and yet still are just kind of disappointed in, in life. I don't know if you watch NFL football much. I don't watch it much, but I know who Tom Brady is. Tom Brady's probably one of the most famous guys in the NFL. It's pretty amazing what he's, what he's accomplished. When you think about somebody that's, that's uh, acquired things and achieved things, Tom Brady is, is a great example. This guy, uh, not only did he get to play in the NFL, he got to be the quarterback. And not only did he get to be the quarterback, he won the Super Bowl. This guy married a beautiful, beautiful woman. In fact, she was a model. She was what we call a supermodel. And not just any supermodel, she was so iconic that today she's known globally by just her first name, Giselle. I saw a recent contract that he signed for $345 million. This, this guy literally has everything that the world has to offer and here's what he said in an interview he was asked about his achievements his place in life and he said sometimes i look around and i think there's got to be more than this that's what he said there's got to be more than this and the interviewer said what what else do you think there is and he said i don't know i don't know how, how is it that somebody that has fame fortune success everything the world has to offer be so discontent and yet i i've known people that if i said their name today you wouldn't know them People two blocks down from their house wouldn't know them. They're not famous. They've never done anything the world would celebrate. They don't really have any money to speak of. They're just kind of barely getting by. And yet they're happy. And they're content. And they, they have purpose and meaning in their life. Could, could it be that maybe they, they know something that we don't know? Maybe you're one of those people, and you think, well, I know something Tom Brady doesn't know. And I think that in the passage today, where the Bible sums up the outlook and the perspective of these heroes of the faith that we've been talking about one at a time, I think we can discover one of the secrets to finding peace, to finding purpose and to finding contentment and it's in recognizing that this world is is not our home it's just a place that we're passing through and the more that we try to make it our home the less satisfied we are with what it has to provide for us but the people that we look at today 
as we've talked about Abel and Abraham and Noah and Sarah. These people, other than Abraham's wealth, they never acquired or accomplished anything that the world would celebrate. And yet the Bible lifts them up as heroes for us to emulate. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, it's a summary passage of these people's lives. And so I want to ask you to join me in standing as we read this together. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 13. Here's what it says. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pray together. God, help us to understand why these people were so different and why you've lifted them up for us to follow their example. Speak to us today through your word. May we leave here today encouraged, built up, strengthened to follow you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, here's some things that we learn from these people. Uh, first, faith enables you to see things promised that have not yet been fulfilled. The, the heroes of the faith could live even though they had not experienced the promise, they could live because by faith they could see it in the distance. The Bible says there in verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. It says that they didn't receive the things that were, that were promised. Think about this. God told Cain and Abel how to offer sacrifice. And Abel followed God's directions and offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to him. A sacrifice offered in accordance with what God had taught him. And what did he get for reward for that? His brother murdered him. His life was cut short by a vicious act of envy. That's what Abel received. We don't, we don't put that on the sign, you know. Join our church. Be murdered. Yeah. Die hero in the faith, right? That's nothing, nothing worldly about that to think, hey, if you follow Jesus, your life might be cut short early. You might be the victim of a vicious crime. And then there was Abraham that God called him to go out to a place that would never develop in his lifetime it would take hundreds of years before israel would become the israel that we would know later in the old testament abraham didn't get to see it he went into a foreign land surrounded by foreigners there was sarah and yes she did she did give birth to a child 
after spending the vast majority of her life barren, and she would not live to get to see her son become a middle-aged man. When we think about these, these people, there, there are no Tom Brady's in this list. There's nobody in this list of heroes that the Bible offers up to us that the world would celebrate and say, for they had everything. That's what I want to be. There's kids all over America today trying to figure out how they can be the next Tom Brady. Nobody's trying to figure out how they can be the next Abel. And yet that's exactly the reason that God told us about him. And Sarah and Noah and Abraham. So that we could imitate the life of faith. And this life of faith that they lived meant dying, not having received the things promised. But yet because they believed that these things were certain, they could, they could see them. Uh, I don't know if you listen to country music at all. There's a guy named Hunter Hayes, and I don't know a whole lot about him. But he's, uh, he's done pretty well, and, and I saw him in an interview. He was coming out, and uh, he had a few big hit songs, and, and he was headlining some concerts. And uh, the, the, the person interviewing Hunter said, said, did, did you ever think that you would be this successful? And he was kind of taken aback, and he said, I never thought I wouldn't be successful. He said, I always thought I would be. He said, it never crossed my mind that I might not make it. I mean, he had, he had great confidence, great confidence. When Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Abel, when they followed the Lord, they had confidence that the things God had promised were certain and they were true. That's how they could see them before they were given because they saw by faith you and i we we can't see this place called heaven that god has promised but by faith we can live with a certainty that it exists and so because they lived for the promise they realized that they were strangers and exiles on the earth it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So they realized that this world before them was, was simply not their home. There's a reason that so many of us are discontent with the world and disappointed with the world and frustrated with the world. We should be, because this is not the place that God created for us. God created this perfect place, and sin marred all of it. And everything that we see in this world, from sickness and disease to violence and hatred, is all the effects of sin. And so the world today is not as God created it. The world is as sin has left it. And as we look around and we think, this, no matter what we do, there just seems to be one problem after another. It may be frustrating, it may be discouraging, but the way that we live in the midst of that is by realizing that this is all just, this is all just temporary. You know, this, this world is not our home. We, we don't belong here. We're, as people of God, we're, we're strangers in this world. We're like exiles, people who have been sent out from their homeland to a foreign land. 
That's what the Bible says, that these people, how they viewed their life, they viewed themselves as strangers and exiles. Notice what it says in the first part of verse 13 that we read. These all died in faith. So the goal of the Christian life is not just to come to faith, but to die in faith. It's not a moment. It's a journey of a lifetime. It's about persevering to the end so that we may not see all of God's promises in this earthly lifetime. For 2,000 years, people have been awaiting the second coming of Christ. And everyone that has died before us did not get to see it. And you and I may not get to see it. Although I don't want to claim to know a date, but if you look at the things that the Bible teaches us about signs of the end times, it's very clear that many of these things are coming about, and we are certainly in the end times. It might be another hundred years. Might be another, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't claim to know a date. But someday the Lord is going to return again. And whether we live to see it or die in faith expecting it, the call that God has on our life is to live by faith to the end. These all died in faith, it says. Jesus would say to his disciples, it's recorded in John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word you're truly my disciples the word abide means to stay it means to remain it's not entering into his word but remaining in his word that makes us his disciples it's not once having faith or coming to the faith it's about remaining in the faith and like these ultimately dying in the faith so faith enables us to see things, things that have been promised, but have not yet been fulfilled. There's a second thing that we, we learn that's so helpful from these people. Uh, focusing on your glorious future keeps you from returning to your gloomy past. The Bible says here in verse 14, for people who speak thus, Make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. Focusing on our future enables us to find meaning and peace in our discontentment. We realize there's a reason that things in this world just don't ultimately satisfy us. There's a reason because we don't, we don't belong here. God created us for intimate fellowship with him, not to be alienated for him. God created us to live in peace and to live in harmony, not to live amidst violence and corruption. God didn't create us for this place. And so the Bible says here that these people were seeking a homeland. So when we turn on the news and we see all these things happening in the world and we're so frustrated, like why, why are there so many people in the world that are being enslaved in sex trafficking? Why are there children who are, who are dying when we have so much food to go around? 
Why is it there are people who are multimillionaires and it's still not enough for them? They still have to exploit anybody that they can to get more for their greed. Why is it that a person can all their life try to do what's right and just, just work hard and provide for their family and one day on the way to work just, just be the victim of a random act of violence? That's the very disappointing frustrating and even heartbreaking world that we live in. And yet when we realize that we're just strangers and exiles here, we begin to seek a homeland. We begin to look forward to what God has promised for us. We realize that there's, there's more for us. The best is yet to come. You see, when you believe that the future God has promised is exponentially better than anything on earth, you won't be tempted to forsake God to seek the world. It says in verse 15, if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. You know, the Bible tells us about, uh, of course, Abraham would go to the promised land. And he would have a son who would have a son whose name would be Israel, who would have 12 sons. And one of them would be sold into slavery and go down to this place called Egypt. There would be a great famine in the land. And that son named Joseph would bring all of his family there to Egypt and save them by literally keeping them alive in the famine. And over 400 years, they would grow into this great nation. In fact, they would become so large that the Egyptians, who early on made Joseph second in command, second only to Pharaoh, now they would become worried that the Israelites would rise up against them. And so they would enslave them. And they put them into making bricks. And yet God delivered them from the oppressive slavery of Egypt. He delivered them. He delivered them with miracles, plagues that he sent on Egypt to persuade Pharaoh to let the people go. And then as they would come out from there, pursued by the Egyptian army, and they would come to the Red Sea and be trapped, and it looked like there was no hope. God would miraculously separate the waters and they would walk there on dry land. The Egyptians would foolishly follow and be engulfed as the water returned yet having lived through all of this they would go out into the desert where there was no food but it doesn't matter because God was their God and so he sent manna every day and so every day all they had to do was just go out and pick it up and eat it but you know what they did? They grumbled and they wanted to go back to Egypt. They said, we had meat in Egypt. Who wants to eat bread every day? We had meat back in Egypt. At one point they said, let's just elect a new leader to take us back to Egypt. And the Bible says here, in contrast to those people, that Abel and Abraham and Noah and Sarah, if they had been thinking of the land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity 
to return. You see, the truth is, we always have the opportunity to wreck our lives. We always have the opportunity to pursue the world. Wherever you were when Jesus came into your life and took you to a new place, God will give you the freedom right up until your last breath to abandon him and go right back to where you were. But why would anyone that knows and understands what lies ahead ever desire to go back? And that was the case with these people. They made it clear they were seeking a homeland. For if they had been thinking of that land in which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to go back to Egypt. And so we can endure this world for a short time because God has prepared a better place for our eternity a better place do you know better is the theme of the book of hebrews in hebrews chapter 6 it would tell us that we have a better hope and a better covenant through jesus in hebrews chapter 8 it says that the covenant through jesus is enacted on better promises in hebrews 9 it says jesus is presented as a better sacrifice in hebrews 10 we possess promises that are better than earthly possessions in hebrews 11 it says we have the hope of rising to a better life this is a theme throughout hebrews that god has something better in store for us and so that brings us here to verse 16 where it says but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So we look around the world and we're just frustrated, discontent. We find contentment in knowing that we're just, we're just passing through here. God has a place prepared for us, and we can receive it by faith. When we, uh, when we go over to Thailand, it's a, it's a long, long flight. And uh, when we get over there, we take uh, this, this kind of local commuter plane, Air Asia, from Bangkok up to, to Nan. And I can just tell you, when they built those planes for Air Asia, they were not envisioning six foot two, 300 pound guys. They, they just. They just weren't. <laughs> a couple of flights, I thought I might have to ask for some butter to get myself out. You know, when you get a wedding ring stuck on your finger, I thought, I just wasn't sure how I was going to get out of the seat. It's, 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 it's pretty miserable. And if one time, I sat down in a seat, and I just physically was bigger than the seat. There's just no way to get in it. And so I just sat down, grabbed the seat in front of me with both hands, pushed, and the arm went pop so i thought i kind of felt bad for a second then i thought why no i'm not feeling bad they, they they knew when they designed this plane there's there's people like me and so i've taken that flight different times and i mean it's tight but the the way that we make it through it's only an hour flight it's just an hour and so i just get in the seat if I get really miserable, I just pretend I need to go to the bathroom. Sir, you need to remain seated. I just, I need to use the restroom. Okay, please hurry back. Oh yeah, I'll hurry back to that seat, sure. I'll, I'm gonna be hurrying back. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just an hour, it's just an hour. 
<laughs> if they ever, if the team ever came and said, Kevin, we're going to take this plane back to Chicago, I said, I'm staying here. I'm going to apply for citizenship in Bangkok. Huh? Like, there's no way I'm taking that plane back to America. There's no way. But you can endure anything for a very short period of time. In the scope of eternity, our time here on earth is pretty short. It really is. And when we begin to understand that God has prepared a better place for us, and to carry that analogy one step forward, really this life is just a commuter flight to get to that place that God's prepared for us. That, that better place that we're able to live by faith. The Bible says in the second part of verse 16, therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. In Revelation, God r revealed to John what was coming. And here's what John wrote down. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Now listen to this. For the former things have passed away. There's coming a time when the present things that we're so frustrated about are going to become former things. There's coming a time when all these things are going to pass away. So, Pastor, I, I don't know. I'm just not really sure about that. Verse 5, it says, And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. You and I can live by faith. Because like Abraham and Sarah and Abel and Noah, God has made promises to us. And when we believe those promises, we can see them, even when we haven't received them yet. We know that it's coming. And when we see what's coming by faith, we can greet it from afar. We can understand that the reason we don't fit in in this world is because we're not supposed to fit in. But God's prepared a place for us a place where the Bible says there'll be no more death and no more crying for the former things have passed away. So when you turn on the news and you see violence all over the world, 
Remember, there's coming a day when that's going to pass away. When you go to the funeral of a dear loved one and mourn, remember, there's coming a day when that is going to pass away. There's coming a day when we're going to receive by faith the promises that God has made to us. And when we believe and trust him, we can have hope even though we haven't received these things yet. Let's pray together. Father, give us faith to believe and to trust even in things we haven't seen and have not received. May we take you at your word and put our faith and our trust in you. Father, during the next few moments, I pray that you speak to us, draw us close to you. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. God has prepared a place for us. He's also prepared a way for us to get there. You see, the average person today, if you ask them if they're going to heaven, they'll say yes. Uh, every, every poll that I've seen, the vast majority of Americans today believe that they're going to heaven. And if you ask those same people, how are you going to get there? The vast majority of them will say, well, uh, I'm, I'm just going to do more good than bad. And there's a lot of other people that are a lot worse than me, have done a lot worse things than I've done. And so I think that I'll be all right. But that's not what the Bible teaches us. You see, the Bible teaches us that every single one of us have sinned against God. Not one of us have earned heaven or deserved to go there. We're not entitled to it. But God, because he loves us, prepared this place for us. And he prepared a way for us to get there by sending his son, Jesus, to die in our place. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid a penalty that he did not owe so that you could receive a gift that you don't deserve. And you receive it by faith, simply believing that it's true and receiving this gift. So I want to invite you today, if you've never asked God for forgiveness of your sin and never received the gift and the promise of eternal life, when we begin to sing, would you just pray and speak to God? Just tell him that you believe this is true, that you want to be forgiven of your sin and live for him. For those of us that have been saved, this world is not our home. This is not. We are strangers and exiles in this place. We are created to be with God. And one day we're going to receive that. But for now, we can't fall in love with this world and try to find every need, every desire, and every pleasure met. If we do, we'll shipwreck our life and destroy our faith in the process. So let's seek God. And let us live and die in faith. If you're here today and you need to make a decision, you need help making a decision. I want to invite you just to come and meet me at the front. Now as we sing or after the service. But please respond to the Lord in faith. Let's stand and sing together.